Panama Today. Your host, Bill Wilber, here in Gamboa, right on the Panama Canal. Music and inspiration, folks, to help you live for Jesus. Christianity rises or falls with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without the resurrection, it is just words of another person who has died a martyr's death and gone to the grave. But the grave could not hold Jesus. God the Father raised him, and we celebrate that resurrection in the hope of our own resurrection and the assurance of eternal life and victory over sin and the devil. The resurrection is extremely, extremely important. Today I want to share a message that I gave at the Gamboa Union Church dealing with the reliability of the resurrection and the spiritual impact of the resurrection. I want to take you into that message now on Jesus is alive, so what? Historians who wrote about the resurrection and about the events of those days were not all Christians. But they wrote about it as a person who is a detective. A journalist today is not supposed to slant the truth. A good journalist is to go after the facts and give them to the newspaper or to the magazine or the book that they're writing about. That's what a good journalist would do. Luke, who was not one of the twelve disciples, was a doctor and a very specific and special... I mean, he went after this story of Jesus in a very particular and a, a special way. He begins each of his books, Luke and Acts, by writing to a man by the name of Theophilus, who apparently is in some honored position, because that's how he addresses him. And you're not just going to take a bunch of fables and little hearsay stuff and present this to one of the people who are in a position of prominence and power in your nation. Especially if you are a person with a credible reference and, and, and um, recommendation about your own self. He, he wouldn't do that. And there was another guy by the name of Tacitus who was a historian. He's not in your Bible, his name. But he very specifically wrote about this person, Jesus, the resurrection. Something changed these men and turned them into a dynamic group of people willing to die for their faith. What was this? What was this? Well, I want to tell you, I, I don't, the purpose of this message is not to go into all of that. There are courses that I've taught on there. There are books I can give you on the subject. But enough to say these two things about the physical evidence. There are, there's physical evidence of what happened at the crucifixion and the resurrection. And then there is the spiritual evidence. I can only experience the spiritual evidence because I cannot go back and see the empty cross and see exactly where all this, although there are people that say that this is where it happened and so on and so on. But I, I could not be in the same situation that these disciples and multitudes of other people Think about 
how the disciples could have sold tickets to get to the tomb. You know what I mean? The disciples could have really had something going. Do you understand what I'm saying? Everybody knew about what was happening, not just these people that you're reading about in the Bible. That's called internal evidence. There are people that knew these people. There are people that lived in the same location as these people. And they could have discredited this information just like that. And they didn't. They couldn't put it away. So we are left with two things. We have the physical evidence of long ago and we're left with the spiritual evidence of what they experienced and we experience today. In line with the physical evidence, there's two things you cannot get rid of. One is the appearances of Jesus and the other is the empty tomb. That's why they're elaborated on and specifically given to us in all four of these Gospels. You put them all together and you come up with ten appearances of Jesus during that 40 days before he returned to heaven. There were five on that very first day. Different places to different groups of people at different times. That is not how a person has a hallucination and imagines something. Because these were different people, different places, and at different times. Then there were the appearances later on during those 40 days up to the point of appearing to 500 at one time. And then after Jesus had ascended to heaven, there's the one that's given in Acts 9 of where Paul actually had an experience with the risen Christ to the extent that he was a murderer of Christians one minute and a follower of Jesus the next. That's what you call doing a 180. That's what the power of the risen Christ did for him. The other thing is the empty tomb. There has been efforts to explain away the empty tomb. One of them is right here, which we read. And that is, the disciples stole the body. And that is what the guards were supposed to spread, that story. It's interesting, isn't it? They're supposed to say the story, while we were asleep, the disciples stole the body. Well, if they were asleep, how did they know the disciples stole the body? Secondly, what motivation would the disciples have had for stealing the body? They were in grief, they were in mourning, and they had fled for their own lives. They did not want to be public at all. They were not convinced about the resurrection. They were not stealing a body to make a resurrection happen. They didn't even know one was going to happen, even though Jesus had told them. That's why he appeared over and over again. And even in this last account here in the last part of Matthew, it said, even when he stood there, he said, some doubted. Some worshiped, but some still doubted. It's kind of like, I see it, but I don't believe it. I see it, but I don't believe it. And so we have the occasion of the empty tomb, and those men were willing to die for the fact of this resurrection. If they had stolen the body, they never would have died for a lie. There's more given on this. There are a couple people. One is Frank Morrison. Another is Josh McDowell, who went at this story to uh, uh, the, the gospel accounts to totally disprove them, to show that this is a hoax, and they found out it isn't. And they ended up becoming Christians. The second dimension of this, there was the physical evidence that they saw, but there is the spiritual evidence. And I understand that this is harder to prove to another person. 
But I want to tell you this to encourage you. You may not be able to defend the accuracy of the New Testament documents. You may not be able to list the ten appearances of Jesus during that first 40 days. But a person can never argue with your experience. They may not believe you. They may try to tear it apart. But they can't argue with it. They can't say it isn't true. How do you know? Because it's my experience. Are you following this? You see, my experience, even though it's spiritual, get this, is grounded in a historical event. Something happened in history that changed the calendar. Something happened in history where there was a, a movement of God that was birthed to the point that people died for their faith. And that historical event that happened at the cross, my faith is in a historical event, not in something spiritual that happened to somebody else and I'm trying to tap into somebody else's spiritual experience. Did you follow that last statement? See, you could tell me what Jesus did for you in your life. But I can't plug into what Jesus did in your life. I have to plug into Jesus myself. See? Directly. Now, I have to go back and I, read, I know from the scriptures there's certain historical events surrounding the death of Jesus, why he did it, and the resurrection. I come to a point where I said this is either true or it's not true. Either Jesus is who he said he is or he's not. I have to come to that conclusion. Any person in this world has to be uh, confronted with this, the claims of Christ. You either totally ignore it or you wrestle with those uh, claims and, and, and then you have to make up the decision, is he who he says he is or he isn't? It's not what Bill Wilbur says, it's what Jesus says. And so you go and you talk to him. And if he is alive, you'll hear from him. It's true. If Jesus is raised from the dead, there will be a reality in the spirit that passes the historical event. Now, the reason I know that, although I'm not going to have you turn to it at the moment, but Ephesians 1 tells us, and Philippians 3 tells us, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that is working in you who believe. Now, get this. What did Jesus do at the cross? He suffered. Not for his sins, but for mine. He was taken off the cross. He was put in the tomb. God the Father said the sacrifice for the curse of the sin of the world is paid for. He speaks to his son and says, rise. He didn't have to say in the name of anybody. <laughs> There's no other name higher than his own name. See, So he just tells us to be raised from the dead and he's raised from the dead and what put him there, death, is the curse of sin that causes you and I to die physically and the curse of sin that causes you and I to have, be born spiritually dead and not have a relationship with God. God may be there. We know he's out there, but we don't know him. We don't relate to him. That spiritual death and that physical death, that's what put him there. Okay, if what he did satisfied the claims 
or, 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 or the devil on him. You belong to me. Death is mine. Hell is mine. Even though he doesn't want it. And Jesus is raised out of that. Then there's nothing that can hold him. I want you to stop and think a minute. What is the, for, uh, for the general person in the world, now if you've come to know Christ, God takes away the fear of death. Maybe not how you're going to leave this world, but the fear of death because you're going into the very presence of God. Not for a weekend or for a long vacation, but forever. So, what is the ultimate fear that man has that will cause him to do things that he ordinarily would not do? And that's death. It's death. It's the fear of dying. And when that person has the fear of dying, he'll do all kinds of crazy things. He'll sell members of his family. You know, he'll do all kinds of things. And so when a person says, when they come to know Christ, and that fear of dying is gone, the fear of the future is gone, the fear of being a failure is gone, the fears, the fears, the fears that cripple a person, those things are gone. Jesus took those away. If your ultimate fear of dying is gone, then there's nothing else that should cause you ultimate fear. Do you follow what I'm saying here? And if Jesus took that away, then the ultimate thing that could ever be done to you has been destroyed, then you can live forever. So, when Jesus came out of the grave, He was demonstrating two things. One is, the curse of sin that kills people has been broken. Okay? The second thing is, in the way that I'm alive, you can live too. How is Jesus alive? Forever. Forever. He wasn't resuscitated. He was resurrected. You know what the word resurrected means in Greek? The Greek word is anastasis, which is a name for one of Operation Mobilization ships. But that word is made up of two words, which is again and stand up. So it's something that was down, but it stands up again. And Jesus was raised from the dead, stood up in a new body. So you see, death cannot hold him, neither can sin. Now here's the point. When you received Christ as your Savior and you say, I believe He's the Son of God and I'm trusting in Him that what He did historically on the cross is true. I receive that. The Holy Spirit comes in you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in you and Ephesians 1 and Colossians 1 says that it is the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Is anybody awake? Okay? Because if you were there on that morning before the angel rolled the door away and you had your hands on Jesus and God the Father said, now be raised, Jesus would have passed right through your hands. You could have sat on him. You could have tried anything to hold him down and it wouldn't have worked. Because his body was raised an incorruptible body. Okay? That power which is a spiritual power, which is greater than any physical power, that power is what you receive in you when you receive Christ as your Savior. Listen now. 
The fear of dying is gone. You have the hope of eternal life. But you also have this. And the devil would keep this from you knowing this as a lie to you. The problems that you have in your life, the bondages that you have, that you're trying to overcome as a Christian, you have the access, the resources of the power of the Holy Spirit to break those. See? That's why, that's why you hear testimonies of people who have been in bondage for years and their life is so changed. On the back of my book, you see that endorsement by Orhai Valdez, who was the U.S. connection for the Colombian cartel. Orhai sent out an uh, email this week that the BBC, which is the British Broadcasting Company in England, want to do a documentary on his life. This is like ABC, NBC saying, Hey, Jorge, wild story, man. We want to do something with it on TV. But this is the BBC doing this. And they're going to make a documentary, a story of his life, and run it on all English television. And people get the BBC overseas, all around the place, all around the world. Why are they doing this? Because they saw something which was so powerful change a person who was one way and he's different. Now, you're born again, taken from darkness into light. Well, yeah, you've got to walk it out. But I'll tell you, as you walk it out, you have the resurrection power to do it. God never expected you to try harder. He said, give it up. Let me do it through you. You couldn't do it in the first place. What makes you think you can do it now? Amen? So there's the two dimensions there. The historical event that was happening at Easter. But there's the spiritual dimension that has been affected on an etern into eternity. Now I had something else I was going to share with you built on this, but I'm going to do a whole other message about that at another time, possibly next week. But I've got to tell you this. I was meditating on this, and it just popped up on Friday afternoon as I was closing the service. And then this morning as I was out walking and uh, praying about this morning, this also it came back. And I need to share this with you. If I step on some toes, I'm not trying to, but it might set you free. Okay? Everybody's braced now. <laughs> I love it. I, love, I don't mean to do that to you, but I'm you know, just kind of setting you up for some, I guess. There is the danger during special, I'll call them religious holidays, to have what is called a spirit of religion. See, Christianity, as I started my message out, is not a religion. It's a relationship. But we are so prone with our pride in our flesh to want to have something to do with it. We say, yes, Jesus died for my sins, but I'll do this. Jesus died for your sins. 
receive him as your Savior, and do this. Well, as a result of him being your Savior, you may do that. But doing this is never added to what Jesus did on the cross for you. Every cult wants to do that. Jehovah's Witness, the Mormons, Seventh uh, 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 Christian Science, want to do that. They want to take what Jesus did and then they want to add this other book to it and you need this book to interpret the special parts of the Bible that apply to them and this is what they use. So it's always the Bible and something else. When you come to Christ, it's Christ and nothing else. Martin Luther said the only thing you have to bring to your salvation is your sin. See? But what happens... During a religious holiday, and I'm going to say religious, a holiday that remembers something of the Christian faith is never to be worshipped, never to be central. It's only to help us recall what Jesus did. It's not something in itself. Are you following me? Okay? In the Old Testament, they had memorials. They built pillars. They had stones. Always of a reminder, listen, of when they met God. You don't go back to the stones and worship the pillar and the monument. That's to remind you that God meets you. God has met you and He's done something in your life. You never worship baptism. Baptism is nothing that saves you. But people want to make a ritual out of it and do a religious thing. And that if they do this thing, then God's going to love them more. Got kind of quiet in here, but I'll keep going anyway. Alright? What happens at religious holidays is this. Somehow, Jesus gets forgotten. Nothing wrong with family gatherings. Nothing wrong with a special church service. But a service, a family gathering, whatever it might be, special gifts, is not what saves you. Going to a special service where candles are lit, people process or recess or kneel, or whatever they do, will not save you. And in fact, it can be a snare to you. Now, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm treading on something here, and I'm only doing it to help you see something. Whenever you take a person over the centuries, other than Jesus Christ, you take any of his followers, any people that God used in a marvelous way, and you lift them up, you are into the realm of idolatry. You are into the realm of worshiping, looking to someone that God has encountered who had a walk with God, but because that person had a walk with God, it'll never save you. Right? See, the Lord instituted in the Old Testament the Passover. In the New Testament... We have the Lord's Supper. 
But if you make the Lord's Supper a Eucharist into such a ritual, an idol, that unless you do it on such and such a day and it has to be done this way and this way, you've made that ritual into a God, into an idol. Where is Jesus? You see? Did you notice that Jesus never wrote a book? Oh, books have been written about it. I'm glad he never wrote a book. You know why? People would be selling it. If they weren't selling it, they'd have it in glass someplace and people would be over there bowing down to the book. Listen, I have to, I'm very cautious when I say this. I do not worship this book. I worship the author of this book and his words are here without error. They're totally accurate. But I am not afraid to take my pen and underline something as I read it that means something to me. And on such and such a date, God quickened that to my heart. Are you following this? I hope I haven't tread on something. But I'm trying to help you see something. This will never scare the devil away. Devil, see this book? It's got a nice binding on it too. Cover. See this book? Devil says so. But you take the word of God like Jesus did, and he spoke that word to the devil, the devil backed off. Waving a scroll won't do a thing. In fact, the, the devil knows the Bible. He quoted it to Jesus. So, I don't worship the cross. I worship the one who was on the cross. The cross can be used to remind me of what Jesus did on the cross for me. But people, the cross is empty. I don't go worship a tomb. The tomb would be a better thing to wear around my neck, in fact. Because that's the symbol of the risen Christ. But I don't worship the tomb. Because the tomb is empty. Are you following this? Jesus is alive. We're gathered around the throne in Revelation 4 and 5, worshiping Jesus forever and ever. Nobody else. No great leader in the church. No great event that happened in the church. But Jesus. The very first commandment, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. The wrath of God, people can't understand why the wrath of God is poured out in the Old Testament. It's because of idolatry. God has not changed his feelings about idolatry. 1 Corinthians 10.14 says, Flee from idolatry. 1 John chapter 5 ends with the words, Little children, Keep yourself from idols. Because anything that gets in the way of your walk with God will take the strength out of it. There is no strength. i got to be careful here. Get me right here. There's no strength in two pieces of bamboo crossed over together, tied together, that can deliver you from your sin. It can remind you of the one who died so long ago and is raised from the dead. And that power of the Holy Spirit 
is what will deliver you from your sin for eternal life and raise you up.